Do you have any guess what percentage of the globe population the U.S. has? It's kind of hard. You, we're stuck in our own routines. We see lots of people. We are actually less than 5% of the global population. Quite small. Uh, it might not feel that way, but there's another number and statistic that feels a little grave. We are less than 5% of the global population, and we are over 20% of the incarcerated population. We hit really hard at our prison rates. And I forget the fact that we live right near a prison, but if you talk to anyone who doesn't live in Jackson and they're like, oh, I'm going to do a speaking engagement or whatever it is, they're going to come into town, they do a little Google search, and they're like, oh, it's a prison town. And you might not have that be a part of your everyday life. You might not even think about it. You might not remember it. Um, but beyond just the numbers of people who are in prison, we have a lot of people who are mentally living imprisoned, who can't get out of the habits, the, the addictions, the problems in their life. And so you might not notice a physical prison in your life, but you might have felt imprisoned. And so our story today is about someone who's quite literally in a prison, but how do we get out of the mental and physical prisons of our life? How do we get out, break the cycle, get out, and live free? And so our text is a little, little bit longer today, so I'm not going to read it all in fullness, all in one moment up front. But I'll say that we're going to be in Acts chapter 12. And in that story, the chapter begins by talking about a, a certain King Herod, not Herod the Great from, you know, Christmas story time frame. Uh, different Herods in charge of this Judean kind of region, and he is realized a way to gain some popular favor around his Judean countryside, uh, which is to imprison and execute a few Christians. Now, it doesn't take many people to be wrongfully imprisoned and to be executed for the entire community to be afraid. You don't have to round up thousands of people to get the point across of this, the reality of the situation. But in the story, uh, he has James, the brother of John, killed by the sword, and he realized that it pleased the crowds. And he did it around Passover, which is a particularly pain point for Christians, because that's when Jesus was crucified around Passover. So we've had a few years go by. He's tried this out. It's gotten good public response. And he's like, I like this. Let's do this again. And he decides to imprison Peter around Passover. And so when this story gets going, Peter is imprisoned and it talks about how many guards are around him. And it's around Passover. And in verse 5 it says, while Peter was kept in prison, the church prayed fervently to God for him. And before we even get going into the breakout of this prison, what a beautiful blessing it is to have a community of people who want to pray for you. Not who just, oh, yeah, I wish they were in a better situation, but who are fervently thinking about you, who are compassionate, who want the best for you, who want change for you, who want you to live the life you were made for. And before the story even gets going, we get the sense that when we live out our spirituality, it is better done in community. 
sure, you can have a Bible. We, it's the modern technology. Literacy rates are higher. You can own a Bible. You can feel like you're just doing you and God by yourselves. But there's something powerful about finding a community of people who support one another. And when you're at your lowest, that there's other people out there praying for you. And so they're praying for Peter. Now, Peter has something unusual happen in this story. It's the night before Herod was going to bring him out. And there's something about God using this kind of timing. I think Peter and that community were praying quite a bit. They wanted him out a long time ago. But it's the night before he's going to get brought out and executed that God moves. And I don't know about you, but there are times where your prayer life, I'm sure you've you've been praying for something and it felt like it's been forever. God's never going to do anything. It's just, I've prayed about this forever. This is never going to change. I'm never going to get out of this thing. And you wait and you wait and you wait. And we're up at the clock. You know, it's a little bit procrastination mode. It's the night before that paper's due. And now God decides to move. And so... Peter's bound with two chains. He's asleep between two soldiers who are guarding the front of the door and keeping watch. Now, you might be completely consumed with praying about something in your life. Like, if you have something you are imprisoned to, that might be an addiction, whether that's uh, something that's more or less deadly, everything from the hardest of drugs to that caffeinated fix that you need. Whatever it is that you feel like I can't get out of, there are times where you just don't have enough power to still keep saying, I want out of this. I got to get out of this. You at some point have to sleep. And something is powerful that God in this community who's praying for you might lift you up even when you can't keep awake. And Peter's asleep when suddenly an angel of the Lord appears and a light shone in his cell. Now, we have to be reminded that we live in the modern world where we have light switches. I'm sure this prison had some level of small amount of lighting. You got some candles or some torches or something. But remember, we're dealing with candlelight. We're not dealing with a ton of the, uh, the bright incandescent or fluorescent kind of lighting. We've got some small amounts of light in a primarily dark, cold prison. For many of us, when we've experienced times where we can't get out of something, it might be that addiction, it might be a relationship that's, that's, that's being painful and toxic, it feels like there is no light there. It feels dark. It feels like there's no way out. You can't see in front of you. Maybe there's little glimmers of hope. But when the angel shows up in the story, the room brights and brightens up. It just floodlights. Now, strangely, nobody else is seeming to notice any of these floodlights. But I love that image of in the darkest, coldest part where you're imprisoned, you're shackled, that's when the light emerges in the darkness. And so the angel shows up in this cell. And the angel shows up and he taps Peter on the side and wakes him up saying, get up quickly. I like that just taps him. I don't want to hurt you, the sleeping Peter. I don't want to startle you too much either. Just a little nudging. Hey, it's time to get up. You know, maybe you might have an image of a parent 
who knows that a kid might wake up really angry if you shake him a little bit too much. Try to play a little gentle game. Hey, Peter, if you don't mind, it's, it's time to wake up. And Peter's a little groggy, and he's waking up, and the angel tells him, hey, get ready. You know, fasten your belts. Put on your sandals. School's about to start. Get out the door. You can imagine so many parents walking their kids through, you know, they're sleepwalking through getting ready. Keep on them as they're getting out the door. And so he, Peter wraps this cloak around him, and the angel says to follow him. And so he's got this cloak around him, and he's walking out of this prison cell. And Peter walks out, and he didn't realize what was happening and that the angel's help was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. That's such a powerful verse. Like, that verse doesn't have to be in this text. You could just have Peter walked out of prison and gets free. It's a beautiful, powerful, extra little note that Peter is walking out of prison and he doesn't even think that this could ever possibly be real. I have to be dreaming. There's no way I actually walk out of here, right? If you're in an abusive relationship and you've struggled, how do I get out of this thing? And you, you, you can't find a way to leave. You, you don't, ah, do I have enough money? Do I have enough support? What will people think of me? What's God going to think? And you, you come up with all these reasons to stay imprisoned. And you think, getting out of this is just a dream. There's no way this could ever be real. The person that's addicted might think, I would love to have a different life than I'm living right now, but how would I ever get out of this? Can I ever imagine actually living a different life than this one right now? And for Peter, being in this cell facing his upcoming execution is so grave that getting out of that prison is a dream. That it can't be possible. And I think for so many of us, we let that take hold of our own selves. Whatever pattern you're trying to get out of, whatever unhealthy thing you're trying to get away from, you think, oh, it would be wonderful if that were gone. It'd be wonderful if I was free of this problem. But let's quit dreaming. Let's just go about our regular life. Let's just admit that this is our reality. And so many of us just let it stay a dream. We never imagined that there's ever a moment you could actually walk out. And I love that the angel doesn't just pick up the sleeping Peter and carry him out, lay him down somewhere so he wakes up and like, how did I get here? But Peter has to do some of the walking. And he has to walk this path, even if he doesn't fully understand that it's going to be real, even if he doesn't understand what's exactly happening, he has to make this path for himself too. God's made it opened up. He's opened up the, the shackles on his wrists. He's opened the gates up. But Peter's got to walk through it. And for so many of us, it's so unlikely that we can imagine getting out of it, we don't even walk the dream out of it. Like, what would it be to just sit and your prayer time be imagining God has broken you out of whatever painful, ugly situation that you're afraid of? And to let yourself dream a little bit. Because some of us were so far imprisoned, we can't even dream again. But just to sit in prayer and say, God, I want to imagine what it looks like for your good news to break me out of this. And just walk in your mind through the steps. 
But at some point, you got to stop just living it in the dream world and start walking those steps yourself. And so Peter is in a, in a daze. He thinks he's asleep. He thinks he's dreaming. He's in a vision. And he's walking. And he passes the first guard and the second guard. And I think there's something in the story is like, Peter, you wouldn't have been bold enough if I had told you that this is real to just walk right by the guards. Like, wait, you don't have a better route for me? I've got to walk right by all of these guards? You couldn't like, you know, where's the magical knock this wall out so I get to walk through and just disappear? And I wonder how much of this cloak is uh, for Peter to not be seen, how much of the cloak is for him to not have to notice the people he's walking by? Just keep going forward, Peter. And so he's walking and he's passing a guard. He's passing another guard. And he comes before this iron gate leading into the city and it opened for him of its own accord. Uh, I heard a fun story. Um, Ewan McGregor, who plays Obi-Wan in the early prequels in Star Wars, uh, he plays a Jedi. And he told the story, he's like, I can't help it. I go places and I see little uh, motion centers and I, I have to just do what all the kids want to do. Make the door open magically. And he's just thinking, I'm imagining somebody sees Obi-Wan opening the sensors on the door. But he's walking in the story. Peter's walking, and the doors just open up. The obstacle you might think is the hardest obstacle. How on earth am I getting past the iron gate? And yet it just opens up. How many of us, we completely nixed a plan and said, this is never going to work. And we never tried something because we imagined this giant, big obstacle that was going to be in the way. You didn't ever actually try to walk up to it. So many of us, we cut off our dreams, we cut off our freedom because we're not even willing to try, we're not even to walk up to see if those barriers are actually real. I love, someone had an image of like paper walls. It's like wallpaper strung out. It looks like a wall. You walk up to it and you can just pop right through it. But if you're not willing to explore it, you're not willing to walk up to it, it might stay intimidating. But Peter walks out to the iron gate leading into the city. It opens on its own accord. And they went outside and they walked along a street and suddenly the angel left him. I don't know about you, I would have liked more explanation. It's like, hey, what, what's going on? And tell me what to do next. <laughs> Please, some extra instructions maybe. But the angel's just boom, gone. As quick as he arrived, he's gone. And suddenly, losing that angel, Peter comes to his senses. And he says, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent an angel and rescued me from the hands of Herod and from all that these people were expecting. So it wasn't until his companion disappears that he's like, wait a minute, what's going on? Which I like that that startles him. Because if he thinks he's dreaming, I'm like, oh, we got weird, we've got weird rules to the dream world. But something about that angel disappearing, suddenly he's like, wait a minute. What's happening here? And I love that God brings him from a moment of being imprisoned into this moment. But God doesn't have to keep holding your hand the whole time. God says, hey, you're free. I've made you. I've created you. You're in my image go. You've, you don't need me to do every single thing for you. You're free now. And so Peter comes to his senses, 
And as soon as he realized this, he decides he knows who he wants to go see. He goes to the house of Mary. Now, the New Testament's challenging. There's so many Marys. And just like there's a few James in our story. And uh, James, it's a weird thing. In English, if you know, in the New Testament, if you see a name James, it's Jacob. At some point, people decided to translate Jacob as James in the New Testament. Uh, but you could know why if the name's Jacob, there's a bunch of Jacobs in Israel. So we come up with the same names, and he comes up and he wants to see Mary, the mother of John, whose other name is Mark. This seems like the John Mark that Paul's going to have some challenges with at some point. But he goes to this house where there's people gathered together praying. And this is one of my, again, this list is getting too long. This is one of my favorite little stories of the Bible. You could have just had Peter broken free and end it. But you have him show up at, his, at the house of these people who are praying for him. And knock, knock, knock. That door didn't just open. Knock, knock, knock. Waiting at the door. And there comes uh, a maid to the door named Rhoda, and she answers, and she recognizes Peter's voice. Hello, let me in. She's like, that's Peter. She recognizes his voice, and she's so overjoyed. We're getting an inside story told for 2,000 years. Inside family joke. She's so overjoyed. Instead of opening the gate, she ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the gate. You know that this biblical story began with a house full of people joking with Rhoda all the time. And Rhoda gets this story in Scripture to remind her, why didn't you just open the door if Peter's here? She's so excited, she leaves the door behind and goes and tells people, Peter's at the door. And they're like, it's the middle of the night, you're dreaming. And there's something so powerful about having this counterpart story of a community who longs for him to be free, and yet they can't imagine him actually being free. It's got to be a ghost. It's got to be an angel. It's something else, right? And if we're arguing about it, why don't we just go to the door? And so they finally go back to the door, and it says Peter was continually knocking. He's still knocking while they're having this argument. Here at our church, the buzzer is still going. <laughs> the bell is still ringing. I mean, they're just like, anybody, please let me in. And so finally they come back to the door while he's still knocking. And they saw him and were amazed. There's people in your life, I'm sure, that you have prayed for, that you've longed for them to experience the fullness of life for themselves. And if you actually saw them living that out, you would be amazed. And you would have a hard time believing this is true. You'd have a hard time not thinking you're just dreaming or it's a ghost, it's a vision. Everybody in this story is living in this kind of imprisoned mind state where they can't actually imagine what it's like to be free. And so Peter has to keep knocking and knocking and knocking. And that's a beautiful image of prayer of just keep going to God, of like, God, I, I need to help. I can't even imagine this happening. Can you just move my heart, my eyes, my spirit? Please wake me up. And Peter's standing there knocking and knocking, and they finally show up to him, and they're amazed. And he motioned them to be silent. I imagine there was a lot of commotion. Peter's like, you finally came to the door. Can I at least talk for a minute? Peter likes to talk. 
And so he motioned them to be silent. He tells them about how the Lord brought them out of prison. And he said to tell this on to James and the believers. And then he left and went to another place. You might think like, oh, just celebration time, stay here. But sometimes to be free, you've got to change your scenery. And there's something of wisdom here. Peter's like, I shouldn't stick around here. I shouldn't play with the fact that God has set me free from the people who wanted to kill me. I should probably go somewhere else. For some people, you might have gotten free of whatever that addiction was or that bad relationship, and then maybe they text you again. Or maybe you see an image or you walk by a certain place where you've had experiences before, and, and you feel that urge to linger. There's wisdom in not lingering. Live free move on to whatever God has called you to next. And that story ends in more violence and ugliness. After Peter has left, when morning came, it says there was no small commotion. I love that phrasing. There's no small commotion at the prison when they realize Peter's gone and the soldiers who were in charge of holding him get put to death. And that's where the reality of the toxic ugly world that tries to harm, to hurt, to imprison, to kill. Uh, Peter was not being broken free from a make-believe threat. It was a real one. And for some of us, we we've make the make-believe obstacles, but some things are actually painful or harmful. And so it is not without reason that we pray fervently. It's not without reason that our spirits long to be free because this world can be brutal. But we celebrate that in the midst of even the darkest moments of your life, when there might just be a little bit of candlelight, a little bit of glimmer of hope, God might show up, brighten the space so much that you don't even believe it could ever be real. And so today what I want to invite you to is to pray freely. To break down the walls or whatever, you're like, I can't ask for this. I don't think it's ever going to happen. To pray with boldness, to pray incessantly, keep knocking on God's door, keep asking God to change your eyes, your spirit, your hearts. But beyond just the praying and the dreams and the mental walkthroughs, start moving. Start walking the path and it might not feel real yet, but something about continually praying to God and moving towards God's freedom and life brings about unexpected results. God will move in ways you don't imagine. God will open up gates and doors you thought were shut. And so I hope maybe you might believe a little again. Have faith, imagine, dream, but then walk. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you knowing that we have often doubted. We have often resigned ourselves to less than. We've often said that our story is one without the happy ending, without the joy. Lord, I ask that you might be in the midst of our spirits, our eyes, our, our minds, our soul. Lord, give us a faith and a hope in the freedom that you bring.
Lord, help us to, to dream bigger and help us to walk. Help us to, to try to follow you, to create the habits in our life that we're going to try to be faithful even when it doesn't feel like it's going to be effective, it's going to do anything at all. Lord, let us just to, to follow after you. Lord, I ask for everyone who feels uncertain of where their next steps are. I pray that you might give them that courage that you've brought them to this moment and you've created them to be the person that can take those next steps. Lord, help us to be a community that prays for one another, that realizes my journey is not the only journey of the story, that we might pray fervently for each other. And that our prayers wouldn't be ones that with just doubts. But our prayers might expect to see what you might do. Lord, move in our lives, move in our community, move in our city. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.